Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. And we are, we are the, the Itty, Itty Bitty, Bitty Wedding Committee. Wedding Committee. That was almost okay. synced up. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we're, we've hit a plateau. I think this yeah. is just how it's going to be. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's part of our charm. People just expect us to try to nail it every time and every time we just don't and it's okay. <laughs> we are eternal optimists. We yeah. keep a positive outlook. Indeed. I'm super excited. So this is our third episode of wow. this season. We're just like really powering through this. I'm so impressed. <laughs> we are. I, I feel like we're pretty prolific. And we are talking about something that people don't really put a lot of thought into a lot of the time, but really it mm-hmm. matters and it's something to think through. And that's the wedding website. Wedding websites, we can act- which can actually be really like super fun to like put together if you like putting together websites and you want to like go all out and get crazy and make it super fun. Um, But thankfully, if you are not a tech whiz or a web design wizard, there are plenty of resources available to you where you can pull templates from and create your own wedding website. Um, So let's start there. How does one find the best template for them? I think that it's really a matter of what features you want to see mm-hmm. and which one you feel is the most user-friendly. So there are some big players in the game. There is the knot.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Zola, which is huge. There's a site that's very similar to Zola, which is called withjoy.com. Oh, that's a new one Joy. I haven't heard of. I use that one a lot because I find it very, very convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people like Zola because it has a few more bells and whistles and Mm -hmm. you can integrate it with a lot of other things. Or some people like the knot because they've already been using the knot and they have other tools on there like vendor research. So Mm -hmm. just, I believe there's um, wedding wire, I believe. Can you make one? Doesn't Minted have one, like have a um, wedding website templates too? I don't know how like, I think that it's very standard though. Like I don't think it has a lot of the other like features that some of the other ones you mentioned have, but it's an option. Yeah, I think it's a newer one. I have seen something for that, but none of my mm-hmm. clients have ever used it as far as I know. And of course there is also the option to completely build and design your own wedding website. If you are not very, very up on tech, at least in like a kind of an intermediate kind of way. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend doing this. You're just going to spend a lot more time spinning your wheels, not even thinking about the features you might want that already exist and are completely idiot-proof on another platform. So Mm -hmm. you can also, you usually will pay a premium for this, but you can design a custom URL in most platforms these days. So if that's important to you, look into it, make sure you can, but you can usually work from a free platform and just pay a little bit more to get your own website name. Fun times, but I love a good wedding website. And it's so funny because I feel like it's one of those, like in the grand scheme of weddings, it's a relatively new thing that like, I feel like couples are starting to do on a more consistent basis. Um, It used to be like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, am I aging myself? Maybe. Um, (laughs) That like, you know, it was either just starting to become a thing or it was like, not everybody was doing it and now it's like you know one of those things where it's it's available to you know pretty much anyone a lot there's a lot of templates out there there's a lot of platforms a lot of options so it's it's been cool to see the development of just the trend of having what a wed, wedding website over time 
Um, so I think that's pretty cool. And it's a great one-stop shop for people to just understand and get information about your wedding. Um, so obviously we want to get into what do you put on your wedding website? Um, you obviously want to put up more than just pictures of your cat or your dog, um, or you and your partner. Also, although I'm pretty sure that's welcome. I wouldn't be mad if I saw if you had a wedding website and Hoagie wasn't on it, I'd be a little bit disappointed. <laughs> See, and I didn't do a wedding website because my wedding was so just thrown together very quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, he's like, I heard my name. <laughs> yes, there is Hoagie. So if you hear weird oinking noises in the background on my end, uh, my dog is an unofficial guest on this podcast. He is just so, really interesting. <laughs> I would say that in the past five years, I've really seen websites become much more standard than they used to mm-hmm. be. So it used to be that if a couple had a wedding website, they were a little more cutting edge, they were a little ahead of the game. Whereas now, uh, every single one of my partial and full planning clients, when I'm building out their planning timeline, I give them a time when they need to start working on their wedding website. And I give them a time when they need to have their wedding website ready. And I always align it with when the save the dates go out. Mm-hmm. So it's, very, very important, actually, in my opinion, to have one in COVID times because things need to pivot quickly. And if you are not willing or able to contact 300 people individually, oh this is a really, really <laughs> good way to do that. Especially if you've already collected emails, you can typically send messages directly through the website, which is a game changer. It's very it's, helpful. I and bet. It's very helpful. And you can put rapid updates on the website too so if something might change and you want to give a note to couples about that or to your guests about that you can do that really easily and really quickly and painlessly on the wedding yeah. website so letting them know about new guidelines sending out messages about that um, letting them know like this is our drop dead date for when we might make a change to the wedding plans so people can routinely check back in and see what's going on yeah um but, so you've already kind of touched on some of the info so obviously you want to have on your wedding website, your date, because that's important. People need to know when this beautiful <laughs> event is happening. Um, but also venue, if that's been locked into place, um, any other additional events, especially if you're hosting a cultural wedding where there's like multiple events happening over the course of a week, you want to include that information, hotel information. Um, one thing that I don't see everybody doing, but I know that, you know, some of the templates will have options for is, you know, couples putting information about their love story and their engagement or how they met or information about like their uh, wedding party. Like if it's not like 15 people on each side, <laughs> you know what I mean? But and even include, sometimes when it is, oh my God, can you imagine having to upload a bio and a photo for, for 30 people? Um, I have couples with not 15, but with 12 people on each side yeah. who have done that. 15 is always my max. That's the most I've ever seen. So when I'm pulling out, throwing out an outlandish number for, <laughs> for a wedding mm-hmm. party per side, it's always 15. Then once <laughs> I see 15 or like once I see a number that's past 15, then it'll probably be like, well, the first time I see a wedding where it's like 20 on each side, then I'll be like, oh my God, 20 people. It hasn't oh, happened yet. I would, but... I would do my absolute best to intervene before that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Just please. Like, wait, how many people? <laughs> So um, it's half the guests. It's more than half the guests. Exactly. It's like a quarter of your guests already. Um, <laughs> but you can definitely put information about your wedding party if you'd like to share that. So there's 
in addition to you know providing information to your guests about weddings it, about your wedding it's also a great way to kind of set the tone for your, for you know the occasion give the guests an idea of you know what the vibe is going to be you know give them the backstory on you know how things came to be and the important people in your lives so um i love a good wedding website me too i think it's really important to be able to have that essential info and the FAQ. Mm -hmm. So what are the frequently asked questions that guests will have? So what kind of attire is there? Is it outdoors? Mm -hmm. Is it on a lawn? Because that really helps women figure out what shoes to wear. Right. Or, hey, anyone, if, if a guy, if a six foot five guy wants to wear high heels, let him, but I would might love not to want see to do that. that on the lawn. <laughs> yeah. So um, John, we'll, we'll see if my husband wants to do that. Can you imagine? He I'd would, have to pay, I'd probably have to pay big money to, to get him to do that. <laughs> I would pay big money. I mean, I think really for him, the thing keeping him from doing it wouldn't be, you know, that he'd have a problem with it. It would be that his knees are so bad that he'd be terrified of wiping out. <laughs> oh my God. He's like, he'd probably be like, how in the hell do you women walk in these things? He nonstop talks about when he gets his robot knees. All he wants <laughs> is some high-tech knee replacement. He always talks about his future robot knees. Oh, my God. If that ever becomes a thing, I'm sure he'll be the first person to, like, be in line to, to get that done. And then the first person to put on high heels, because we'll hold him to this. Oh, well, so, definitely. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, there's so much good info you can put in the wedding website about whether kids are allowed and what childcare mm -hmm. options there are. And all types of things. I really do think that one of the most important things on the website is just that hotel information, along with, of course, the itinerary for the mm -hmm. wedding day and the wedding weekend, um, any transportation info, mm -hmm. whether it's shuttles you're providing or just parking information, are you paying for valet or are guests paying for themselves for valet, stuff like that, things that might not seem that important to you as a couple, but mm -hmm. a guest traveling in might want to know about. It's all really, really helpful stuff. You can give them notes about things they might not think of, like, hey, you're not allowed to pregame and then bring your own alcohol into the venue. Yeah. <laughs> I've mm -hmm. had people try that. Uh, you know, you don't need to get that specific, but I'm just thinking of things I've actually had people try, like, hey, please don't do this. Um, especially when there is going to be a gap between ceremony and reception. Say you had your ceremony in the early afternoon at a house of mm -hmm. worship, and then people are going somewhere else you can give them options for things they can do in the meantime. You can tell them what the popular attractions around the city are. You can yeah. tell them if you got them any discount codes anywhere, if they want to go check something out. So there's a ton you can do with that. Uh, privacy, I think we want to touch on. Yes, for sure. Wedding password protected. Yes. <laughs> Wedding websites can be password protected. As a default, I think having password protection is a good idea. You don't know what creeps are out there. Uh, you don't know if some random person you knew in high school is now poking around through your wedding yeah. registry. And yeah. it just gets mm. a little dicey, um, mm -hmm. you know. I, I definitely recommend just making it private. It's also, from a professional perspective, probably something you'll want to do. So employers and colleagues or potential employers can't look at your wedding website. Yeah. It's like, um, ooh, this girl's getting I, married at this place and the other. and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, you don't need all that personal info out there. You don't yeah. need that many personal details about your life. Uh, put a password on, but remember, when you do send out your save the dates, include the wedding website URL and mm -hmm. include the password. Definitely put that on there. And don't change the password once you've sent the save the dates. Right? Because then you'll start mm -hmm. getting all kinds of texts and emails like, hey, your wedding website's not working. I can't get in. What's the new password? 
Yes. From like 30 people. Pain in the butt. Massive pain in the butt for you. So just keep it the same once you've said it. Don't change anything about it. Even if you found the cutest new URL that became available, keep it the same. Uh, with all of that as well, there are two other things I would want to touch on about the wedding website that I don't think we covered yet and we should get into more in depth. One is the registry. And the fun part. One is the online, yeah, one is the online RSVP. What do you feel like covering first? Hmm, let's get the R- online RSVP out of the way so we can have fun and talk about registries. <laughs> yes. Okay, online RSVP is not super duper fun. You can do this in a few different ways. Mm-hmm. I recommend managing it as tightly as possible. Don't let it be open-ended. Don't anyone write in as many people as they want. Oh God, so what you're no. going. <laughs> so what you'll want to do in that case is make sure your wedding website has the functionality to recognize different people's names and that ideally it will also know how many people are allowed to be in that group. Uh, if it cannot do that, I recommend possibly avoiding online RSVPs because you will get write-ins. You will get plus ones you didn't want to give. You mm-hmm. will get a confusion about who is and isn't invited. Or you'll just have people inadvertently RSVPing twice because one person will RSVP for their date and then their date will also RSVP for that person. And yeah. that gets a little confusing. So I think with online RSVPs, the more parameters you can give them, the better. And you will also want to be clear about if there is a mailed option, people should do either or. Don't do both. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna that bring that up. Gonna be, <laughs> yeah, not that it'll be foolproof. Mm-hmm. But if you say that, then you'll at least have less to keep track of and less confusion. Yeah. So sometimes what I've seen as well is some people only get the online RSVP instruction, whereas maybe some grandparents and older folks who might not be good with computers will actually get a printed and mailed option. Right. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like if you do both, cause like I can understand like why couples would be like, let's do both. Cause then it's like, they're trying to like quote unquote, cover all their bases, but I can see how things can get easily like confused and misconstrued. And then you have people like double RSVP and all this other kind of stuff. So I, I do like that, um, that tip to either do one or the other or do, you know, certain people do online and then, you know, grandparents or some older friends and family doing the mail. Um, but it's a nice feature to have incorporated in your wedding website and not all platforms have that feature. So if that's something that you know you do want to use, um, just make sure that um, you double check that that's a feature that the platform that you're choosing has before you start building your website. Cause Absolutely. like Kate said, yeah. you don't want to build your website and then like send it out and then change it to a different platform and have to like re-communicate all that information to, to all your guests again. Yes. And meanwhile, some guests might not ever get the memo and they might still try to go to the old site and think that they're doing a good (laughs) job. So the easier you can make it for people, the fewer hoops they need to jump through, the better. You'll definitely, Definitely. um, you can of course put your engagement photos in there, but if you want to get started on the wedding website before you have those, you probably have other pictures of yourselves as a couple. So great. Put those on. If you're doing wedding party bios, I would let the wedding party choose the photos of themselves. Yes. Uh, And I would be nice. I would not put hacky nicknames in if someone didn't say they want that. I would not put embarrassing stories in about them. Typically what I see is you can give the wedding party uh, kind of guidelines for what they want in their bio. So 
you can tell them like, hey, what's a favorite fact about you? Or write up three sentences or just, are you okay with this? And run by the write-up or run the write-up by them before you put it on the site, just so there aren't hurt feelings and no one feels insulted or like an ugly picture of them is up. I know I would get fussy if someone did a bio on me and they were like, here's a really stupid picture of her from when she was 20. Kate burps all the time. Ha ha ha. That's yeah. like, I would not like that. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So just, you know, even if you do have inside jokes, make sure they're okay with having that out there. And again, uh, especially if your website is not public, make sure people, or is not private, make sure people are comfortable with having their name and their bio up and their photo up there because that is searchable too. You can find mm-hmm. someone that way if you're Googling them. Uh, and especially if people have more high profile roles in their careers, they might not want that. Uh, let's chat registries because Allison, Yay, I know you're part. very excited. I just like, I like registries because I like to shop for people. It's super fun, especially when it's home related because, you know, a lot of people will request a lot of like more homey types of gifts um, for their wedding, which is like super cute. Um, So that's why I get excited about registries. And I feel like registries have come such a long way over the past few years with just, you know, accessibility and just making it easier for couples to set up and making it easier. Like if you're registering at like, you know, a few different places, you can kind of actually, you know what, before I say that, I think Zola, as far as I know, is the only website that will allow you to kind of link multiple um registries for multiple places no there are others that allow you to do it zola is one of the more convenient ones for that mm-hmm. and they're also good at linking to things like honey funds mm-hmm. i would also like to talk about honeymoon funds in this episode very briefly because i have opinions. i love honey funds i i have opinions <laughs> about people asking for money for their honeymoon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i sure do <laughs> so yeah um Registry, though, let's focus on that first and then yeah. I can give my two cents. Yeah, so go ahead. With, with those, I think, like you said, it's good to do a variety of registries, right? So mm-hmm. first of all, some people say, oh, we don't want to do a registry. Do a registry. You are going to have some people who want to give you a physical gift. They're more mm-hmm. traditional. Maybe they're older guests. Maybe that's just their thing. They want to know you're getting an actual yep. physical gift. I'm that person. Uh, Please be, do a registry yeah. so I can buy you a gift. <laughs> yes. People will not like if you don't have a registry. The registry is also helpful for things like a bridal shower or an mm-hmm. engagement party. So it really is important to have that. And when you're doing this, have at least one option that has national locations in store. So it can be an REI. If you aren't the traditional registry person, fine, make it an REI, make it a, a whatever kind of store you like, but make sure that there is an option for a good amount of people on your list to be able to go and shop in person. Because again, there are some more traditional people who want to be able to do that for you. I think that it's a nice idea to try to keep the items you're selecting uh, reasonable. So don't don't presume that everyone's going to spend $300 mm-hmm. as a gift for you. They're not. Some people will. You can ask for a $300, $400, $500 thing. And there are some people like family members who might get it for you. However, make those pieces few and far between. Yes. Make the bulk, like minimum 60% of your wedding registry in the 25 to say $100 range. With most things being around $50 to $75. Because yeah. 
that people can get you more than one thing, but you don't want to seem like you're presuming that everyone's going to spend an arm and a leg on you because that's not what it's about. It's not about saying, hey, you have to spend a lot of money on me. It's my wedding. It's about giving people options when they want to give. Yeah. And to that point too, like I usually recommend like if you're going to do a registry to have variety of price points. So, you know, you don't want to have just like one place and have it be like super expensive. Like sure, have a few items from this, you know, maybe higher price point place, but maybe have like another place that's a little bit more moderate or a little bit, you know, more affordable. So that way your guests don't feel like you're, uh, (laughs) I was trying to find like a nice way to say it, but you know, that your guests don't feel like you're basically just asking them for, you know, like you were saying, Kate, like $500, you know, gifts and things like that. So it's yeah. just nice to, you know, give your guests some options because at the end of the day, they are, you know, trying to be sweet and be nice and give you a gift. So, you know, give them some options so that they can get you a gift at a price point that's comfortable for them. Yeah. This is not a hard and fast rule, but I would say mm-hmm. try to keep, of the items on your registry, a hundred or less. Yeah. Obviously there's a very big range in there. Get the things that are 10, 20, $30 on there too. Get a lot of those because that's really helpful again for those other events leading up to Mm -hmm. the wedding. And if you want to do things in their 100 to 200 price point, people will get those. Just not everyone. Try to make that about 20% of what you ask for and let that remaining 5% be the big ticket stuff. Yeah. Because no one wants to log into your registry, even if they will spend money on you. No one wants to log in and be like, okay, they're asking for a thousand dollar espresso machine. And <laughs> right. Like do that very sparingly because mm-hmm. you will look like a jerk if you do that too much. It doesn't matter what income level your guests have. It doesn't matter what income level you have. You're just going to look like a jerk if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, on that note, I would say that wedding funds, like a honeymoon fund called a honey fund for short, should be used sparingly. I've had a lot of people say, well, we just want money for the wedding. We don't want gifts. We want money or we want honeymoon funds. Great. Okay. Uh, That cannot be. And I am very, very opinionated about this. That absolutely should not. And in my opinion, cannot be the only option you offer. You Mm -hmm. cannot tell people just give us money, even if it's going toward a fund, even if it's this or that, you cannot do that. So if you have a honeymoon fund, you need to present other options as well. You need to still have at least some kind of registry or two. Maybe you don't put as much stuff on it, but just like you will look like a jerk if you only ask for crazy expensive stuff on your registry, you're going to look like a little bit of a jerk if you're only asking for cash. Yeah, and I feel that's a... Yeah. And that's a good point too, because I feel like if you're just asking for cash, then it kind of puts the pressure on your guests because then it's like, one, they feel obligated to give you money. And two, then it puts them in a weird position of like, okay, they're only asking for cash, but like how much is enough and what's too little. It just puts a lot of pressure on a lot of people. So I totally understand, you know, going back to giving people a variety of options and like, it's okay if you do have like a honey fund or like, you know, if you would like to accept cash gifts, but also still give people the option to buy you an actual tangible gift. So there's, there's no pressure there. Um, It comes down to two things. I think don't be greedy and don't seem greedy and don't be tacky. (laughs) <laughs> if you can follow the don't be greedy and the don't be tacky rules, you'll be just fine. Yes, like you'll be great. It's like you don't need to put the Corvette on your registry. Like that's not appropriate. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't make it seem like the only thing you care about for your wedding is the gifts. Don't make it seem like mm-hmm. the only thing you care about for your wedding is making money. If you put the focus on the party, if you put the focus on your community, you'll be fine. Yeah. And also, if you are, if you don't want gifts or if you really don't want people bringing you gifts, you can also communicate, you know, in a nice, gracious way. You know, we understand that people will be excited and want to bring us gifts, but please know that we don't have a registry or please know that, you know, we would prefer that you not bring us gifts or whatever the case may be. And just make sure you communicate that on your wedding website as well. Because sometimes that happens. Yeah. And I think if you really don't want stuff and that's the end game, a nice way to phrase that is uh, we understand that people may want to shop for us from a registry. We ask that if you do so, you please make a contribution in our name Mm -hmm. to one of our favorite charities instead Mm -hmm. and list some charities. Because again, you don't want to seem like you're pressuring people to give cash. And ultimately, if if you're only leaving that as one of the obvious options, that's what it'll seem like. Um, but if you truly just don't want stuff and you don't want a ton of money, just tell people to donate to one of your favorite causes. Um, yeah. That's a really nice, really gracious, opposite of tacky way to do things. Yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice. Uh, also, when you are registering, which I hope you're doing, I think registering makes the most sense for most couples. Unless you have mm-hmm. a very, very, very strong opposition to it, I think you should do it. Uh go to one place in person when it's safe and feel safe for you to shop in person and get that laser pointer gun and go and Super zap fun. things in the store. Yes. Go and zap the stuff. You will have a good time. It's like shopping, but not spending any money. Exactly. It's like, I want this and I want this and this is fabulous. <laughs> it's very fun. Very, very yeah. fun. Highly recommended. Two thumbs up. Yeah. And I know that like some stores will have like registry events for couples too. So I've been saying this a lot, like when outside opens back up, (laughs) when outside is back to normal, um, I would definitely encourage you to check out some of those uh, registry. I know like Crate and Barrel sometimes does like registry events and stuff like that. I think uh, Bloomingdale's does that sometimes too. And there's like champagne and you can just kind of go around and have fun. And, you know, like sometimes I think it's like open to, you know, multiple couples. So it's kind of like a fun, like, you know, couples only have fun putting together your registry type of thing. So when the world is back to normal and we can go outside, I would recommend that you do that and just give yourself the experience of, you know, being able to see all the things and using that fun laser gun thing. Is that what it's called? What are those things called? (laughs) Uh, I call it a zapper. I don't think zapper is its technical name, but that's what I like to call it. Yeah. Fun times. Registers, (laughs) registries are great. I love a good registry. I'm one of those lovely gift buyer people. So I always have a good time shopping for people for their weddings. And and I am, I love going on registries, but I will say I am one of those people who gets offended when someone has a greedy registry. If your registry seems greedy, I am making a mental note and I am judging. Thankfully, I've never, I haven't seen it yet. Most of the registries I've seen have been super sweet and tasteful, but no, I can totally imagine like, just like KitchenAid stand mixers, just all down the list. And that's like all they have. And it's like very expensive. And you're like, who's going to buy this for them? Not me. (laughs) I've, I think probably in my life, I've only seen two, Mm -hmm. but I can remember exactly who they belonged to, and I was not pleased. I do not like it because I I find it offensive. I do. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) So 
with your wedding website, I think we covered a lot of the important details to recap. Oh, we didn't cover one thing that I still do want to talk about, but to recap, just figure out your best platform. Think about your privacy preferences. We recommend private. Figure out how you're going to make a lot of quick info updates. So figure out what details you want to include in the first place. <laughs> Sorry, I was counting. I know you can't see this, but we're on Zoom and I was counting down on my fingers and I just gave Allison the finger. Um, <laughs> um, so update that information. Do keep it updated. Make sure you have COVID protocols on there mm -hmm. and timelines for when you'll be communicating certain things about COVID and get mm -hmm. people's email addresses so you can send messages through the site. Ooh, and speaking it's, of COVID, even having just like the safety measures that you're taking for yeah. your event, make sure you include that just to alleviate any questions or stress or concerns that your guests might have if you are having um, a gathering during this time. 100%. Uh, if you are going to do an online RSVP option, try to manage that as tightly as you can and include as much info in that upfront as you can so the website can recognize specific people and we make sure no one's over RSVPing. Mm -hmm. uh, bringing in plus ones you didn't expect uh, and also get your registries in there so think about your registry one thing we didn't talk about that I think is important and this is not as important as a lot of the legitimate info we discussed but design so what do you for your website design yes mm -hmm. I think a lot of these platforms have really really great templates as is I don't think you do need to do a lot to update them but if you're a very design focused couple for your wedding, if you have a very specific aesthetic and you really need your website to look 100% a certain way, I do think that's a time when you also might want to consider developing your own website from less of a free platform and more of a paid perspective mm -hmm. because you can customize a lot more uh, with the design of the site when you do have a paid template rather than one that's just free to the public. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I would encourage you to look into that if you want to have your very, very specific colors, if you want to have a crest, if you want to have the exact flowers and illustrations that you're using in the invitations, if it's more of that uh, luxury kind of feel that you're going for, in those cases, you might want to consider a more robust, more personalized option. Yeah, or maybe even like hire somebody like a web designer or yeah. something to do that. Um, I do know like platforms... I don't really, I can't really speak to WordPress just because I haven't really touched WordPress in probably like years. Um, but I do know um, like Squarespace has like wedding um, website templates and it's kind of like a nice in-between between like a pre-existing, you know, template like the knot or something like that because it's like the structure is already there for you with, and they have like some different layouts, but you can go in and like adjust colors and add, you know, crests and you know, some of those other fun things. So um, that's kind of like a nice in between, like if you don't want to like have to build a website from the ground up, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which if you yes. can do that, I would be super impressed. I would be very impressed. Uh, I have built websites and I have had to learn basic HTML, like for WordPress yeah. and things like that. And it's not fun. It is it's not recommended, not. especially when you need it to have a lot of management tools and you need it to be dynamic in its ability to communicate with your guests and do things mm -hmm. like except RSVPs, there really is something to be said for an existing template that knows what you're going to need before you do. Yeah. Um, you know what just popped in my head? Like, I wonder if like wedding websites now have like a feature where you can like, quote unquote, like submit a question to the couple. Like, I yes, wonder if they that's do. a thing. So instead of like having to get like 
someone to email you or instead of, you know, getting a text or a phone call, you can have people like ask you questions like through your wedding website and you can have everything in like one nice convenient place for you to answer those things. I've, I've had that when it was part of the RSVP function. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there is probably another way to do what you're mentioning too. I just haven't done that personally. Yeah. But that's very fun. I like that. Yeah. I feel like that would just make people's lives easier, like a Mm -hmm. questions form or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's good too. And one of the things I put in my FAQs in my couples website often is who the contact person will be if they have questions. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that's a parent. A lot of the times it'll be a mom. Sometimes it's me. Uh, It really just depends on the scope of the work I'm doing for the couple and what kinds of questions we think we'll be fielding. If they're more personal questions, I typically will not be the one to feel those because I'm just going to have to go to the couple or go to the mom anyway, because I don't know about Aunt Charlotte's dynamic with (laughs) Uncle Phil and they're not supposed to be at the same table and how do we smooth that over? I can't help. All that good stuff. (laughs) But I can help if they want to know about how they can book their rooms and how they can Mm -hmm. figure out transportation. (laughs) So (laughs) um, yeah, I feel like that pretty much rounds it out for the wedding website conversation. Yeah. Easy peasy, super fun. You can have it be as simple or as, you know, elaborate as you would like it. Just make sure that it has all those core pieces of information that we covered. Um, Yeah. What else? Anything else about wedding websites? No, I just feel like I've finally come up with my catchphrase. And I think my catchphrase, just the way I approach weddings in general is don't be tacky. That is nice. I don't think, be tacky. I think don't be a tacky a and don't rule. be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much easier to get an acronym just for DBT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's too many letters for don't DBA. be DBT, <laughs> DBA. But I like it. I, I definitely like don't be an asshole. I think you should also abide by that. Yeah. And don't be tacky. I think just ask yourself, is this tacky before you do it for a wedding? And there you go. That's pretty much my yeah. whole approach. It's a planner. And it's funny too, because like sometimes like people will say like, if you have to ask, the answer is no, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what that thing is. But yeah, like if you're not sure, um, definitely don't pull the trigger on anything that you're not sure about. And if you are wondering if something is tacky or not, like a cash I would bar. err on the, I would err on the side of caution of not doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, we should have uh, a bar episode. Should we do a bar episode next? Yeah, I think that was one of the things. So we actually, behind the scenes, we've been working on getting some guests lined up. And we do have a guest for next week. Uh, We're figuring out scheduling, recording. But uh, we did want to do a bar and cocktail specific episode. So I'm really excited for that. I forget who's going to be our guest for that. We've got some awesome folks in the pipeline for guests. So I'm super excited that that's something that we're incorporating into the show. And then you guys get to meet some of, you know, our fellow wedding professionals that we just absolutely love, um, which is super exciting. So fingers crossed, hopefully um, that'll happen next week. Yeah. I won't some reveal Some of our actual best friends. Yeah. I some know. of these people are our actual living best friends. So it's really fun to be able to do this with them. Yeah. And kind of rope them into like this crazy world that we've built. <laughs> well, and put in FaceTime with them because these are people we might normally hang out with all the time. And now it's just like crickets. Like we'll text once in a while, but it's not the same. Yeah. So I'm really, really jazzed. I'm super jazzed. And I'm also super jazzed because we hit our first 
um, 1,000 plays for the podcast. So I'm super excited. I, I did go on a hiatus. Normally, I'll check like our like our website or our podcast activity. Like I'll usually check it on like a weekly basis, but I haven't checked it since the holidays. And I happened to check it, I think it was like yesterday or day before yesterday. And I noticed that it said 1,000 plays. And I was like, holy crap people were like really we listening it. to us right now. So we um, did it. Mission thank accomplished. Thank you everyone for listening and subscribing. We love you guys so much. And thank you for like, you know, putting the word out there and sharing it with your friends. Um, mm-hmm. We appreciate it so, so much. And hopefully that makes we'll a hit, huge difference. It does. And hopefully we hit the next thousand. I'm not really counting. Uh, I'm not a big numbers gal. I just, like to, you know, know the information if it's there, but you know, it's, it's great to see like our progress since we've started this. Yeah. I I think it's really cool that we have that many listens just over one season. And now we're going into, well, we are in season two and this will last for a while. Uh, I think realistically, Allison, we haven't talked about this, but we could probably do a couple of seasons every year, you know, take little breaks and enjoy. I think so. I liked the break thing. Like, I feel like even Mm -hmm. like depending on our kind of, because we're pretty consistent at this point. And so we can kind of like map out if we wanted to like take a break, you know, during the summer when things get bananas and like, you know, circle back in the winter or the holidays. Like, I think that would be kind of an awesome way to like be able to refresh and, you know, get our creative juices back flowing and recharge and um, be, you know, back and ready, you know, to record more content for you guys. Yeah, I am really loving this. And I'm, I'm so glad this project has been taking off and doing well, because we weren't sure what we were doing when we started. We're still totally not sure, but at least there's (laughs) a little bit of a shape to it now. So yeah, I I like it. And I I also like the excuse to just chat with you every week or so, because you're my most regularly seen face through this whole pandemic. It's, oh yeah. Because I talk to people on the phone, but I'm not a huge Zoom person, so I will do Zoom calls with clients, or I'll do Zoom calls with my team, mm-hmm. but I I don't do regular Zooms with anybody. I mean, I guess my most regular, most regularly seen face is John. I was going to say, you see John every day. <laughs> that's true. I do see him every day, uh, but as far as people who I'm not married to, I think you're number one <laughs> for FaceTime. Yay, I feel so special. <laughs> Yay. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram, IBWC underscore podcast. Yay. I'm trying to do a better job of being more consistent with posting on it. (laughs) You're great. Honestly. Sometimes I have my days where it's like, yeah, it's probably been three weeks since I posted. I should probably do that. (laughs) I always like us. I always see us and like us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also like share on my personal Instagram. So I make sure we're everywhere and just, you know bombarding Instagram with all of our fun things that we have going on. Um, but you can definitely follow us there. You can, you know, like our posts and you can DM us. We do respond to, um, fun messages. Don't send us anything weird, please. Just keep it podcast related. (laughs) If you have to send us anything weird, just start the message with this is for Kate, all caps. I want to see the weird stuff. (laughs) Send me anything weird. You're going to get all the inappropriate nudie pics and I'll just respond to the regular messages. Yeah. I think that's the bulk of our listeners are just complete internet creeps, right? Oh that's God, our, that's our target audience. Not like really chill, awesome people. Oh goodness. <laughs> I haven't checked our DMs in a while. I should probably do that later.
Um, but in addition to Instagram, you can also email us at committee at gmail.com. We do check our email regularly. So send us questions, topic ideas, feedback. If you just want to say hi, we will respond to you. Um, yeah, we look forward to 2021 and seeing how things progress and hopefully hearing from more of you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Nice. We did it. <laughs>